All right, welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. I'm Raf Giallo and I'm joined by Connor Neville of RT Sport Online. And we're going to be looking back at the weekend's results domestically in the SSE Artistry League Premier Division, First Division and Women's National League. Plus, we'll touch on Champions League and also matters in League One as well, where Georgie Kelly scored on his debut for Rotherham United. To do all that and with a bit of expertise, we've got Gary Rogers and Johnny McDonald. Lads, how are you all keeping? All good, morning. Good stuff. Uh, before we uh, get into matters at hand, I think, Connor, is this your second podcast appearance of the week? I know you've talked before about being overexposed on our on our channels, but uh, yeah. it seems to be happening again. Yeah, there's going to be widespread protests at seeing me on, on YouTube the whole time. I mean, it's it's uh, this is this is grotesque, really. I mean, I shouldn't I shouldn't be here. I, I'm filling a gap for someone, really, I'm sure. Well, no, I asked you. I asked you specifically, so <laughs> there's obviously a reason for that. I actually did want to talk, talk about Longford Town, which, of course, you will have connections with as a uh, yeah. as a, someone it's, who grew up in the county. It's been a costly few days for Longford Town, unfortunately. They, after a sluggish start to the season, they had made a fine burst, and we were it was tentative hopes we'd have a three uh, sort of a three horse race at least at the top of the first division. Now we might have a three horse race given that Waterford are, are rallying, um, but. Yeah, it's it was a disappointing couple of days. I mean, when Verdon put them one 0 up in Cork, and then it all unraveled badly in the second half, and then a sort of two 0 defeat yesterday. I wasn't there. I was I was working, but I seemed pretty comprehensive. And uh, yeah, now fortunately, because of the structure of the first division, you know, it's very hard not to make the playoff. So I mean, there's a fair chance. Uh, there's a fair chance they'll be there. I mean, they they got the last time they got promoted was, you know. Uh, Pippin shells in the last day after finishing fourth, I think, in the league. So uh, there's always that chance. I mean, I do think it, it's fortuitous that we might we mightn't have a two horse race in the first division because I think a two horse race with two teams miles away from the rest would have really shown up the slightly uh, strange structure that fifth is, not, is then competing with second in a playoff. But anyway. They're, they're lucky in that respect. Yeah, we digress. Uh, speaking of uh, three-horse races, the, although obviously a semi-final means four teams, the Champions League latter stage now looks like it is a three-horse race. I mean, Gary, when we're looking at the game that's on RT2 and the RT player tonight in regards to Liverpool, can't really see past them at all because just with the 2-0 win uh, against Villarreal last week and the fact that it's very unlikely that anyone's going to overturn that against a uh, Liverpool, Liverpool team of this quality. Yeah, well, look, I suppose you're right, Liverpool, the quality that they have and, and the energy that they seem to have and the way they play and go about their business. And I suppose the manager that's there, Klopp, and, and, you know, everything about Liverpool is just it's so refreshing, if you like, and the way they play football and the way they attack the games are so entertaining to watch. Obviously, City are you know, very entertaining, but it's slightly different style. I think Liverpool are more on, on the front foot a little bit and um, really, really look to punish teams in, in in high areas and win the ball back up the pitch and and take it from there. And they've got they've got such fantastic quality all all around the squad. So it's um, yeah, I, I couldn't see past um, Liverpool getting through. Now, although it'll be difficult, but I do think you know if if they get the if they score first, um, I think it'll be very difficult to you know for Villarreal to, to get to get something out of the game. And Johnny, the other game on Wednesday, obviously the return leg of Real Madrid versus Manchester City. The last game was a bit of a thriller, a bit of a classic. Um, City will still come in as favourites, but there's something about this Real Madrid team that um, doesn't matter what age these players are. And you go through the time when Zidane was in charge of them as well. And even when Carlo Ancelotti previously won the Champions League with them, 
they have something within they have obviously they're a squad of winners but there's something there's some sort of dna within that team that just seems to get them over the line the whole time so for city definitely it's a it's a tough one for them look at anything could happen in this game the, 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 the game in city was fantastic it was brilliant to watch you just couldn't take your eyes off anything could happen but I think, you know, with, with Real Madrid, with Benzema, with the form that he's in at the moment, I think what he's added to his game, you know, he, he scored and obviously lots of goals, but the work that he does around the pitch for the team as well. And I think when Ronaldo was was around, you know, with, with Real, that he was doing all that work, but Ronaldo was getting all the goals. But now he's doing all that work because he knows how to do it. And now he's getting all the goals as well. So it just added so much to his game. And uh, he's leading the team, absolutely leading the team. Um, look, anything could happen. If anything, first goal, you know, would, would be really vital. Be brilliant to be at the game. But uh, look, I, I, I don't know whether City will get over the line on this one. I think the pressure is on Pep, really, really a lot of pressure on to get to the Holy Grail and win in the Champions League. And yeah, I, I think they might falter here. Yeah, Johnny, you know. just, just, just sorry, just on Benzema, Johnny, is, do you think he's one that goes under the radar in terms of top players? If you look at how long he's been at Real Madrid and, and the level of performances that he's put in over the years, he's one that like, he's not really up there with the, I'm not saying he's a Ronaldo or a Messi, but like, he's a top class player. Well, he's the longevity, as you said, of, of what he's done. And as I, you know, as I said, he's probably been. You know, with Ronaldo there and all the top players there, he's probably right. It's a fair point to say that he's been under the radar, but. He's there every week. He's consistent. You know, he obviously with all the managers he's come through, he's been there. He's had, had a little bit of troubles, hadn't he, down, down the line with off the, right. off the field stuff. Yeah, all that. And uh, But look, he's coming through. He's scoring the goals. He's leading the team, absolutely leading that team. He seems to be well-liked around the team as well. Like So, uh, top, top player, I have to say. And the one thing I was going to ask both of you actually was in regards to the Penenka. And, you know, when you think about situations when you're going to pull that one out of the bag or out of the out of the golf bag, um, which way would you go on it? Like, obviously, it worked out for him. But at the same time, I mean, I know Zinedine Zidane did in the 06 World Cup final, but he's Zinedine Zidane. And I know Benzema is not that far away from him. But uh, would you have uh, would you have gone for that at all yourselves? Maybe you'd be nicknamed Benzema now. Maybe the new name is going to be Benzema. Look, you know, he's, he's that does not just sum it up, does not just sum up his confidence, his belief in himself that he would go and do that under so much pressure. You know, the manager will believe, you know, if, if anyone misses out like that, that disaster. But he's so much confidence under that pressure to do that. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be absolutely fuming if I'm in the goals and he does that. Like, he has one Whoever faced. Have you ever faced a Penenka, Gary? Have you? Uh, I, I, I have. Uh, funny enough, I caught Stephen Gagan doing a Penenka down the middle. One of the days, I just stood in the goal, and he just dinked it into my arm. So, as a manager, <laughs> I know that Darren McKeeley was the manager of Pat Fennel at the time. They absolutely went through him in the dressing room for a shortcut afterwards. So, um, look, it, it's it's one of those if you do it, lads, do it in training, you're fuming. Um, because like, you know you're not going to do it in the game, but look at look at uh, look at Benzema and there's a few others that have done it as well. So, um, but yeah, look, it takes great bottle and and and, and courage to step up and do that at that stage in the game. But uh, yeah, look, I, I can I can imagine Johnny as a manager, he wouldn't be all that happy, especially especially if the keeper stands there and picks it up. 
you're only happy when they go in, you know. And it, it, of course, it, it depends on the game. Like the fella might, you might be winning three or four nil, and the fella might step up and try and do it. But in the vital time in the game and the pressure, as we're talking about here, you know, to go and do that, but to have the confidence and the courage, as you say, to do it. I wouldn't say I took many uh, penancas in my day. I probably didn't take any penos. Scored a few <laughs> headers, I'd say, but no penancas. <laughs> yeah, something I've never done, never will get to do. And uh, I think it's not worth the risk for people like me to try it. But anything, uh, anyway, as you said, anything can happen in these Champions League semifinals. Anything did happen also in the League of Ireland Premier Division over the weekend. So if we just run through the results, Finn Harps, great result for them. 1-0 win over Shelburne, Dundalk. Got revenge for the previous Derby defeat by beating Drada 4-1. Bohemians uh, got a much-needed win, 3-0 against UCD. Sam Pats lost 4-0 at home to Derry City. Now, we're going to talk about that one in detail because that's uh, that's a huge result. And then Sligo Rovers won, Shamrock Rovers won, which was live on RT2 and RT Player. And obviously, Johnny, I know you were um, you were there for us uh, pitch side for it. But before we, um, before, we, uh, before we go into both of those games and the rest of the games uh, over the weekend, let's listen to Liam Buckley and Stephen Bradley first. Liam Buckley, a one-all draw here with Shamrock Rovers. Does that nearly feel like a win for you, given the second-half performance? Ah, there wasn't a lot in the game now, in fairness. Uh, I think the first half, I think Ed had one shot to save. Um, we both huffed and puffed a wee bit, but uh, I think it was probably a fair result. What do you think changed with your own team's performance in that second half? Uh, we just got on top of it a little bit more. We pushed up a little bit more. We were a little bit tighter on them. Uh, we got more involved in the game instead of looking at them. We gave them a bit too much respect in the first half, but uh, look, as I say, I'm, I'm pleased with the way the whole thing's ended up. Would it be fair to say that the introduction of Killian Healy Gave you a real boost. Yeah, it did. Yeah, he's plenty of energy. We knew he'd bring plenty of energy to the picture here, and he's done great here on the right hand side to get the ball in the box and whatever. But uh, yeah, delighted for him. Okay, thank you, Liam. Thank you, Stephen Bradley. That was a frantic second half. What are your reflections at full time? Yeah, I was, I was disappointed about how we managed the second half. Um, we, we came away from the small detail, and uh, and we allowed it to be a frantic game, and we shouldn't have been that, and uh, it's cost us in the end. Do you feel you could have scored a second when you were on top in that first half? Yeah, we had half chances, we had half chance in the second half. But like I said, uh, we didn't manage it right in the second half. We came away from the small detail and they get one opportunity and they score. And they got that goal and they were pushing hard at the end as well. But you too pushed hard towards the end, your side battled hard and you had a couple of chances late on. Yeah, it could have went either way at the end, we both pushing on. But uh, yeah, look, it's a point, we move on. Is that a point gained, do you feel, in the overall scheme of things? We'll see come the end of the season. And Derry have obviously beaten St. Pat's by the, uh, this evening in Dublin pretty convincingly. Do you pay any attention to the other results? No, nah, like I said on? before the game, it's very early. We focus on what we do. We've been here before. We've done this before. Uh, the best team wins the league at the end of the season. We wait to see the end of the season. If we have enough, we have enough. If we don't, we don't. And just finally a word on Andy Lyons. Another goal again tonight. He's in some form. Yeah, he's very good again. Really good goal. He played really well overall. OK, thank you, Stephen. Cheers, thank you. All right, that is both managers, uh, Liam Buckley and Stephen Bradley, after the Battle of the Rovers. Uh, Sligo Rovers and Shamrock Rovers drew 1-1 up at the showgrounds. Uh, Johnny, you were there pitch side um, for it. Obviously, Shamrock Rovers had the better of the game in terms of the flow of it, but um, Sligo, despite being second best for large periods, did, uh, did, did hang in there until Jordan Hamilton got the, uh, the, the equaliser and probably at a time when he was going to get hooked uh, because he wasn't exactly uh, making much of a contribution. So from Sligo's point of view, this is the second draw they've had against Shamrock Rovers. Um, obviously, there's something within that squad. They've had a few ups and downs, but they're, you know, they're, they're impressive enough. Yeah, he, he, you know, listening to Liam there, you know, he, they, I thought they finished the game strong. The, you know, we, we worked backwards. I know Rovers, as they were saying, are lots of the play, but 
I think Sligo Rovers finished the game strong. Um, I think Liam said it's probably a fair result. I, I probably wouldn't agree with that. I think Shamrock Rovers had dominated the play, but just didn't turn the screw. He didn't push it home. He didn't. did lots of possession. Uh, second half started with Sligo. They just had a right go. They just played their own game. The first half they were going with Man Mark and Jack Bourne and, and Mandrew, and you know, they were losing their shape. And you know, Rovers controlled the game. And saying that, you know, uh, Andy Lloyd scores a brilliant header. With all the play that Shamrock Rovers had, he, he, Andy Lloyd scores a brilliant header at the corner. So he didn't actually pull them apart. Uh, you know, Lee mentioned that the shots on target and stuff. But uh, you know, I'd say uh, Steve Bradley would be just absolutely so disappointed not to get the three points there because he dominated the match. For, for long, long periods, but just didn't push it home. They just kind of felt, felt I think we're okay, we'll do this, we'll get through the game, one will do us. And as I said, Sligo Rovers finished the game really, really well. Pushed on, uh, pressed up and high up in the second half. And Hamilton, you're probably 100% right, he done absolutely nothing in the game when he scored a goal. And, uh, you know, he, he was probably on his way off the pitch at that stage. And he did make his way off the pitch, I think, after that <laughs> as well. Any, <laughs> in any case... Going out high... Yeah, going out on high indeed. And anyway, cur- you know, goals, I suppose, are the currency for strikers. Like, I mean, if you're doing nothing else and you're getting a goal, um, that's kind of the most important thing. But um, as Johnny was saying, Gary, um, Stephen Bradley would be kind of disappointed with the way the result panned out. Performance-wise, how disappointed will he be, though? I mean, as we kind of said, they largely had the, uh, you know, the control of the game. But that, that thing of not pushing on and getting the second, you know, you're always leaving yourself at risk. Yeah, they were kind of controlling the game, all right, but they were controlling the game in areas where Sligo were happy for them to control it. You know, and like I watched the game where Sligo played Shamrock Rovers up in Tala, and Rovers were sensational in that game. And they were 2 0 then, and they could have went on and beat Sligo 4 2. It was that sort of a game. But Sligo, in fairness to them, you know, they, they've been capable in, in that game up in Tala. They had two chances they took both in, in the game in, in the showgrounds. They had one chance and they took it. One really, like, even that was a really good finish. It wasn't by any means, a, you know, a tap in or anything like that. But you know, they Sligo then pushed on. Obviously, tried to tried to get the winner. But Sligo themselves will be happy with the way they're performing. Obviously, Sam Rovers will probably feel that you know they've left a couple of points behind. Um, but it is very early in the season for them. I know Derry have gone and got a really good result away in Pats, but I don't think I don't think Sam Rovers have hit top gear yet. Um, I think they were probably comfortable in that Sligo game without really pushing on and, and showing that extra bit of quality that I think they have. And I think they have got gears in them uh, and more more improvement left in them. Yeah, we'll talk about the Derry City game and just how that leaves the table also in regards to Pats very shortly. But before that, there is the links that are linking kind of Stephen Bradley to Lincoln City in League One. So they finished 17th this season, but they've uh, moved on from Michael Appleton, who was the manager that was there. And Stephen Bradley seems to be top of the list for them. And not just him, also Aidan Fitzmaurice in the Irish Independent was saying also that Stephen McPhail and Glenn Cronin, who are part of that management structure, Shamrock Rovers, are also being targeted. And, you know, uh, Bradley's out of contract. So Johnny... In regards, we don't we don't know exactly how this is going to play out as of yet, um, but it seems that the links are strong. But uh, where does this leave Shamrock Rovers? Because obviously Bradley's done a brilliant job there over the last um, over the last uh, few years. And if he were to go, like, how do they move on from that? It's going, you know, look, it's it's going to be difficult if Stephen moves on. Steve, you know, he has ambitions to to go. It, to do a higher league for the one to, you know, for saying that, but got, but going to England, if players are doing it, like managers can go and do it. And if, you know, we probably need someone as well that can go away and, and, and do well as a manager or as a coach, you know, uh, to go to, 
somewhere else and do really well. And it might open up pathways for other managers or coaches to, to, to go that direction as well. Um, regarding the club, you know, I'm sure they're, they're working hard in the background to bring someone in to see who fits the role, the DNA of Shamrock Rovers at the moment. Like Stephen has been there a long time now, not only just as the manager, but as, a, as the youth team development. So he's been at the club a long time. He, 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 he's well part of the culture there, well part of the club. So um, I'm sure they're foraging around in the background and, uh, you know, the, the squad is there, the team is there. You know, the, the, the work that, uh, that Stephen has done is... Uh, is going to be there that, that, that would be the legacy that's if he goes we, we don't know if he's going to go but who do you get in I, I don't know I really I, I don't know will he take someone in from from there I'm sure if Shamrock Rovers put out an application for the job they will get hundreds and hundreds of applications yeah as we said we don't know exactly how this is going to play out obviously the links uh, from the way it's being reported is relatively strong Gary but the incentives for him to stay obviously there's a possibility of a run in the Champions League qualifiers, potentially if you know the group stages don't happen, then the Europa Conference League, they came close last season. Um, there's also the, you know, looking to win another league title. So there are incentives for him to stay, um, I, I would imagine, Gary. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, either way, I think Stephen's going to have really good options there because obviously Shamrock Rovers is the top job in the country. And like you say, European football, you know, they're pushing on to win another league title. There is huge plus, pluses for him to stay, of course. But obviously, the opportunity to go to the UK is there from, as Johnny said, uh, and managers like players like to go and test themselves. And, you know, if the opportunity comes up and we don't know how, how solid that opportunity is, but it appears to be so, um, you know, you'd imagine, like, if you turn it down, it's a difficult, like, do you get another opportunity? And, like, I think what Stephen has done at Sean McGrover as a young manager um, has been brilliant. Um, you know, like, he, he's obviously brought through a lot of young players through the group um, and obviously some players have gone away, gone to the UK and that, but you know, to win cups and league titles um, at a young age. So he, he's done a terrific job and it's no surprise, you know, that there is interest in the UK. And I know the MK Dons were, were, were linked with him last year. Um, it's just, look, you know, I suppose we're, we're, we're second guessing here. Does he go? <clears throat> and if he does go, um, you know, who comes into to Shamrock Rovers? Because I think that that would be very interesting because, I've obviously been in dressing rooms before where managers have left. Um, and like I remember when Paul Cook left Saigo, he had signed the whole the whole squad and he left, I think, the week before the start of the season. Now, Sligo got it right in that instance that they brought in Ian, Ian Barraclough and he did a fantastic job. But it really is, it will be a, a tough conundrum for Sean McGrovers, you know, to get that appointment right if he goes. Yeah, if he goes. So we'll see how that one pans out. Um, we, we did uh, touch on briefly there, St. Pat's losing 4-0 at home to Derry City and Derry City still flying high at the top of the table. And uh, before we get into the game, I suppose, Connor, the way that result has panned out, again, it, I suppose it solidifies the way the table is breaking up in regards there is a clear top yeah. two now. And then below that, there's pretty much everyone else bar UCD kind of in relative proximity to each other. Well, Friday was billed as two games involving two teams in the teams in the top four facing off against each other. And that's kind of splintered now with sort of two teams breaking out in front. It was pretty surreal. Um, I was doing the updates, which is obviously a tricky job as you know yourself, the live tracker, because you're keeping in touch, you're keeping on top of Shamrock Grovers and Sligo on the TV, while all these blizzard of goals were coming through from Richmond Park early on. Indeed, Derry had a goal disallowed pretty early on in the game as well. So their ruthlessness was impressive, and I suppose it's contrasted with Shamrock Rovers, who really I thought dawdled when they, you know, seemed to be in control of the game. There was a lack of urgency, and they, there was a kind of 
you got the nagging sense they were asking for trouble. There was none of that with Derry, you know, the, the game killed off by half time, and you could see the body language of the past players on the footage coming through, you know, there was they were a bit shell-shocked. Um, yeah, it's striking. I mean, we do have a two-horse race. I mean, and Rory Higgins at the start of the season was very um <coughs> very keen to talk down their title chances in 2022. Now he has more of an uphill slog if he's trying to do that now, you know. But uh yeah, it looks it looks like uh, it's going to be a, a serious race. And if if Stephen Bradley departs, um, who knows? I mean, who knows how Shamrock Rovers are going to bounce back from that? So, but we've had this, as he pointed out, it's early in the season. I mean, Gary, you'll remember in twenty nineteen, I believe people were proclaiming Shamrock Rovers champions quite early in the season, and that didn't quite pan out like that. So these fourteen points ahead as well, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, and even last year, I mean, early on, Rovers, Shamrock Rovers didn't have the greatest start, so. You know these these things can these things take time to shake out, but it looks like Derry, with their work in the off season and all the players, the squad they've assembled, they look to be in there for the long haul. So I suspect it will be a it will be a very interesting title race this season. Yeah, I suppose Johnny, uh, looking at that result and just the run of results that they've had, bar the the one the one or two blips uh, that Derry City have had, I don't think Rory Higgins really can uh, can play the uh, can play things down at this stage. Now they they are definitely in this title race. Ah, hundred percent. You know, they've, they've won nine games. They've only lost the one game. They've drawn three. <clears throat> um, I watched them recently up in UCD on the Monday night in the, the the back game and on a dodgy pitch and a windy night on a Monday, and they came out of that game with a win. But they were so so much in control of the game, but pushed on as, as we were talking about, and they were very very patient, good all around the pitch, they're a good sized team, they're a big strong physical team with lots of technical players in the team as well. So they can get goals from all areas of the pitch, from defence, midfield, wide areas. You know, McGonagall is flying at the moment, patching, providing all the all the, all the great stuff in midfield. So, look, Duffy is out injured. The fellas come back from injury as well. So he's got a decent enough squad there. You know, I, 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 would he be talking about maybe winning the league? Of course, he will in the dressing room. Absolutely, he'd be telling the players they're good enough, they're strong enough, they have the ability. You know, they, they'll have that desire. Gary knows about that. That desire, and you know, when when the team is driving from within in the dressing room, it, it makes things so much easier. The manager assembles the squad, picks the team. When you're winning, it's easy to keep everyone happy. Whether you're rotating players and stuff like that, but it comes to you know, it comes from within the team, the the, the drive and the desire. Yeah, you mentioned Patching and McGonagall, but also Cameron Dummigan, who got the fourth goal against Pats, has been getting kind of rave reviews for his performance in that game. Like how. Crucial has he been um, in his position as well? Well, he's, he, you know, Cameron, obviously, at Dundalk, he didn't get lots of game time initially at the start of Dundalk, but he, he's a very adaptable player. He's a player that you can you can play him left full, you can play him wing back, Gary, you can play him. I've seen him in playing holding centre midfield. So, again, uh, you know, a no-nonsense player, a great player for the manager, you know, low-maintenance player. He's there all the time, 100%, gives everything for the team. So, you, you know, an absolutely really, really important cog in the wheel for Derry. Yeah, Gary, just on him. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's technically, he's a brilliant player. Like Johnny said there, like, I would have played with him, but he played left-back, right-back, left-wing, right-wing. He played centre-back, he played in front of a back four. He's just technically a good, really, really good player. Can play anywhere, and and is happy to play anywhere. Like really good guy in the dressing room as well. Lads are all very, fo- very fond of him. Really likable character, but like just takes everything in the strides. Like and nothing's ever an issue with him. And like he's a really, really good signer for Derry City. Obviously, Rory probably 
doesn't have the same numbers in the squad that um that Stephen Bradley and Sharmac Rovers would have. But in in Dummigan, he's got a player that can cover four positions. Um, so like that that in itself, it, it, it's a very astute signing if you like. And I think um, like I think one thing with Derry City and Rory Higgins as a manager in the club, like you know, Rory has worked closely with Stephen Kenny for a long time as a player and and as an assistant, and you know, in, in his recent Ireland role as well. So he he's you know he knows what it takes and he knows how to manage players and he's seen it being being done how to you know. Keep that um, that that team spirit right, and keep the motivation in the group and that belief. And I, I would have seen Derry City teams, and Johnny would have been the same. Like you know, in two thousand six, seven, eight, where a team you'd be expecting them to fall off, but they never did. They were right there to the end of the season. I think Cork pipped them by goal difference. I can't remember the year whether it was two thousand eight or something like that, or two thousand seven, where they pipped them by goal difference. So these guys know what what it takes to you know to stay there and stay, and stay the course. Yeah, and Johnny, from the St. Pat's point of view, so Johnny Ward, who was uh, doing the match report for RT Sport Online, you know, he said the the three-goal lead early on that Derry City had, it that actually flattered Pat's, which probably says a lot. So what went wrong for them on the day, and what's at the heart of the inconsistency? Because results-wise, they picked up some good, good results over the season so far, but it's been marked by kind of downturns every now and again. Well, they've lost five matches, so at this stage of the season, if you've lost five matches, you know, you're not going to win the league, you know, when you average it out, and but for, you know, for me, I, I would have been saying, looking at Pats, if they can get get to Europe, get enough points to get into Europe. But at this stage, like, there's you know, there's so it's so inconsistent. You know, as I said, they've they've uh, lost five games. I see the young squad, if a new manager coming in, takes a bit of time. And um, you know, if if you just relate back to Stephen Bradley when he went into Shamrock Rovers, you know, it didn't happen for Stephen overnight with with Shamrock Rovers. You know, so I think for Pats, they, they just got to be patient and make sure they, they they hang in there and just get that consistency going, get a run of the games where they win two or three games. There are a couple of games coming up over the next few weeks, like where, you know, I think they're away to Derry. I think they're away to Derry in the next couple of weeks and away to draw, which will be a tricky match. So them two games are vital that they, they need to make sure they hang on and pick up a few points. As I said, young team, new team, and a few injuries. And Tim coming in as a new manager, you know, finding his way, uh, Big difference coming from Drod to St. Patrick's Letting and no disrespect to Drod, but I'm just saying it's it's, it's a bigger job and uh, different pressures come along with that. So they just need a bit of time, but they need to hang in there and get a few uh, a few wins on the bounce. Yeah, which I think is going to be the story for Shelburne as well. A 1-0 defeat at Finn Harps and that kind of tightens things in that uh, battle for the relegation playoff place. Uh, Gary... Again, we've talked a good bit about Shelburne over the season so far, and I suppose mainly because Damien Duff has come in as manager, obviously, as a high-profile figure within within Irish football. But this is a second defeat now to Finn Harps. The first one was more the issue because it was three, it was a 3-0 and they just got beaten very badly. This time, it's a more chastening result for them. Yeah, look, they'd be disappointed, obviously, to lose a goal so late on. It probably wasn't a whole lot in the game in terms of chances and Bally Buffet, as we all know, um, it's it's never easy to go up there and, and to to get results. I know it's a, it's a saying that gets bandied about there quite a bit, but it is. It's a difficult it's a difficult venue, and you've got to be up there at your A game. You go up there and you play well, you win. But I'll tell you what, if you're not if you're not at it, you will get done. And you know the like the in fairness of Finn Harps, they have got quality like some McNamee there, you know Ryan Connolly. There, there's there's good players up there in, in Finn Harps, and Webster has been injured as well, but. There is um there, there is a nucleus of good players and Ollie knows the league inside out. He's done it year in, year out, and, and 
you know, I, I don't see them. I don't see them going down again this year. To be honest with you, I think they'll stay up. I think it, it, it's it's remarkable the job that he's done up there. Obviously, look, Damien will be disappointed um, not to pick up three points. That would be the would have been the intention to go up there and get three points. But Shelburne, you know, their team that's asked to come up to be promoted. I think mid table is where they'll be aiming for. Like, you know, they, they wouldn't have been coming up expecting to to get into Europe. Okay, they would have the capability of doing that if you can put a run together. I think. Because of the gaps um, between, say, maybe that fourth spot, I think, is really up for grabs for a lot of teams. Um, I do see Derry, Derry and um, Sean McRovers fighting there for the top two, no doubt. But I think, you know, fourth spot in the league is one that if a team can strengthen in, in, in the July window and then put a bit of a run together, I think it's very attainable for, for lots of clubs and, and Shelburne would be one of them. Yeah, you mentioned Barry McNamee, who scored the winner. I remember him from when I was off doing match reports back in the day when he was at Derry City. Always just seemed a really, really kind of classy player. And I think he's around 30 now. And, he, you know, he can kind of exude that, um, I guess, that sort of experience that he's picked up over the years. Um, just a brilliant player, Gary. Yeah, no, really good player. Um, look, I think, you know, Barry probably could have played a higher level. Um, I don't think, I think it's about opportunity. Maybe just didn't get the opportunities to go and play. At a higher level, obviously, look, he played at Derry City, but like he's a, I think even right in saying he's a, he's a school teacher. So like I think it comes to a stage in in a League of Ireland player's career that you've got to make a decision. Like you know, you, you obviously the aspiration is to go to the UK or uh, and to play you know for Ireland at the highest level you can. But I think you know it gets to a certain point in your career where you have to say to yourself, well, look, that ship has sailed for me. And um, he's obviously a teacher and his part time football suits him. There's no doubt he could play with a full time team. Um, you know, in a top team, um, but I think you know he's probably he's probably happy in himself in terms of he's enjoying his football. He's had a really good club in Finn Harps, really good manager, um, who obviously and the fans up there will, will think a whole lot of him and has a has a steady has a steady job and a steady income as well. So look, that's I suppose the conundrum that League of Ireland football throws at players, and and there's different there's different ways, um, you know, for for League of Ireland players. Yeah, and Johnny, sorry, from Johnny Horgan, Raph, he was he was even more pessimistic at the start of this year than every other year, which was a guarantee. <laughs> <they were gonna scale. laughs> yeah, I think he said it was his toughest job. Uh, Johnny, he, he, he built his own team as the easy game in the division. Yeah. Which, uh, that's 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 always the way he tells it. Well. And clearly, oh, they're, no. clearly, clearly they're not that. But um, I suppose Johnny, I was going to oh, ask yeah. you about where uh, you know for shells up next Sligo, Drada, Pats, and UCD, and really. There's some opportunities there to pick up points. I think UCD are kind of looked at as the way uh, uh, Connor has said about what Ollie, how Ollie Organ was describing um, Harps that you know UCD are the team other teams are targeting, but uh, they really do need to pick up points. Just get some momentum back. Yeah, I mean when UCD have conceded 40 goals, so they're letting lots of goals in. But you know for Shells, you know just I, I I think Gary is right. They they, they need to come in and just consolidate finish up there just once they finish and stay in the division I think they can build from there I think you know we talk about players I was reading an article about players Liam Buckley finding a hard for players to sign for Sligo I think Michelle's coming into the league you know you know, they, they, the Shelburne will be able to pick up players that are coming out with Shamrock Rovers and stuff like that are not making the first team players that are staying in Dublin I think they have a good opportunity to pick up players uh, I think the opportunity for them to stay in, in the league is, is vital that they they stay there. Uh, you know, we've gone through Finn Harps. We know what they do. We'll probably come down to the last day of the season with Ollie again and they are the last two games and they, they'll stay up. UCD are dead up. They're gone. Drought have picked up a few results. Bowser got back on the horse now as well. So 
look, they just need to get, they just need to make sure they finish ahead of, of Drada in the league and they're uh, trying try and catch the likes of Bowers and, and Pats. You know, there's a bit of a gap uh, developing there between you know Bowers and Drada, 18 points down to 13, then 12 down to Shell. So look, it, it, like anyone, a couple of games on, on the bounce and picking up results, and if they can get you know the, the UCD result, it, it pushes them up, and you know they just need to make sure they finish mid table. They have yeah. to sort out. They have to sort out their home form, really, because you know some very bizarre results: winning away in Sligo and winning away in Derry. They got another win in Drada. Their home form is abject. Just hasn't done much for the save Talca Park campaign. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, as you said, kind of results being picked up as well. Um, Bohemians again. Um, you know they had a tricky enough run, but then to go and. Beat UCD 3 0 at home was a good uh, good turnaround for them before they play Derry in what is going to be a very tough game with the way Derry are going. But I suppose finally to finish off the Premier Division, uh, the you know Dundalk had lost the previous derby at Drada United, but they kind of roared back and won 4 1 uh, on Friday. And uh, for the job that Stephen O'Donnell is doing there, Gary, you know him well, and they've uh, They've been in reasonably good form in the last few weeks. Four wins, uh, four wins from the last six, and the only defeat coming to Shamrock Rovers, and then a draw against Pats as well. Yeah, look, they certainly picked it up, and that draw against St Pats, um, you know, we, we spoke about St Pats earlier on. Like St Pats were really dominant in that game, um, and looked really good sides. Um, whereas I think Dundalk were, were poor on the night and and didn't really deserve the draw, but they certainly kicked on. The one thing about Dundalk is, you know, there's plenty of leaders in that dressing room. There's plenty of know-how. Um, you have Pat Hoban, who you know is going to score 15 plus goals a season. And um, Stephen is obviously look, he's he's come in, and um, he hasn't kind of come out there saying that they're looking to to win the league. I don't think there's any real title aspirations there right now. He just knows that the group isn't ready. But I do think that that European football is certainly attainable for them. And, and like we said earlier there about, about going on a run, he's after picking up some good results now, and, and all of a sudden they look like you know they're in, in a far better place and. You know, you come this time of year, if you can keep that sort of run and keep that sort of form, where they were drawing a lot of games. Um, and as Johnny will know as a manager, when you're drawing lots of games, it's very frustrating because, like, you know, you're as well to win one and lose one, you know, um, as to be drawn four, five, six, six draws in a season. So, um, you know, they've, they've broke that little bit of a cycle of drawing too many games and pick, started to pick up a few wins. And if they were full value for the win the weekend over Drogheda, and Drogheda had beaten them, I think, the, the previous two loud derbies, which... Is something that you know would be uncommon for 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 Dundalk uh, supporters certainly in recent times, not since maybe Paul Dealer was in charge, where, where draw to having kind of their tails up in terms of um, loud derbies. But uh, yeah, no, they'll be they'll be very happy with that win. Yeah, Johnny. Yeah, just on yeah. the job that O'Donnell's done. What have you What have you made of it so far this season? Look, you know, we all know what he's done at Pats and, you know, the, the move from Pats. He obviously has a, a right feeling for Dundalk to, to move from Pats after winning the Cup. And uh, I just think they've they've started the season in the way probably Stephen expected. They're building it nice and slowly. They're coming into the game or in, into, the, into the season. And uh, I just think they're building momentum. The likes of Daniel Kelly, you know, a lot that come in and, again, didn't probably feature as much as you know, we, 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 uh, in the last couple of seasons, but he's hit the ground running this season. He's going to be a top player for, he's going to be a main player for Dundalk this season. Uh, and I see, looking at the, what I've seen with Dundalk this year, I, I definitely think they're up there, going to be up there you know, in tour position for the league. I really do. I think uh, Dundalk, uh, Stephen's building that momentum nice. And uh, 
I think they'll be okay. I think they really will. I think they've a bit more about them than Sligo on what I've seen at Pats and definitely Bowles this season. So I, I think the future is going to be bright for Dundalk under Stephen. Yeah, we'll see how that pans out. And now moving to the first division, there were two rounds of fixtures, so Friday and Monday. But first on Friday, Bray Wanderers drew 1-1 at Cove Ramblers and then Wexford got a good 3-0 win at that low town. Cork City continuing their fine start to the season, as uh, Connor alluded to at the beginning, um, beating Longford Town 4-1. Uh, Treaty United 2, Galway United 3. And then uh, Galway got a second win of the weekend, beating Longford Town 2-0. So sorry for mentioning that one again. Connor and then Cork City three Treaty United nil Wexford one Bray one Waterford uh, who were uh, who had a bye week on the Friday back in action then beating Athlone one nil so at the very top Gary uh, Cork and Galway kind of continuing to set the pace and especially as suppose Galway were looking a little bit shaky on Friday but then were able to, to get the result they needed at the very end. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, your both teams look as if they're going to battle it out. Obviously, you would be expecting Waterford to be a little bit further. Closer to them, but uh, Galway really turned it around from two 0 down and, and picking up three goals and and getting an eighty an eighty eight minute winner. I think it was um, it was uh, Walsh who's, who's after scoring the right few goals in 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 the last number of weeks. So, but Cork really look at a very polished outfit. Um, you know the very good midfield and Healy, Coffey, and Bulger, and they they look a really good organised side. And the Gilchrist at the back, signed from Shelburne and. Young Harrington, uh, you, John, you know Biscuit Harrington, his son is playing in goals for Cork right. as well. So, um, you know, I think it'll be an intriguing uh, title race. I think if if Waterford can string a few results together, I think they could possibly get themselves in there. Obviously, Galway have a game in hand um, over Waterford, which would put them level whether to win it. But, you know, John Caulfield and, and the Galway side, there's a great kind of... Um, I suppose spirit down in, in Galway at the minute, and there's a lot of there's a lot of supporters going to games. So it's it, um, look, it's all set to, to be a, a really good uh, uh, title race, and obviously Cork City and, and Galway and Waterford three regional areas which you would like to kind of you know to be represented in the Premier Division. You look at Waterford and like at the facilities that they have as well. You're talking about that there, Gary, the regional, like the facilities, the training facilities, the ground, you know. And with Galway and, and, and Cork and, and Waterford, the, the, the fans will definitely turn out. I, I know Cork are getting decent gates and, uh, you know, the, the Cork have gone through a hard time over the last few years. But look, you know, it's it's going to be tight. Uh, John Caulfield will be doing everything in his power to get Galway into the into the Premier League. So uh, I think Waterford probably bouncing back a little bit. Um, but I, th- I think it'll be the, the top two of Galway and, and Cork. And uh, it'd be good to see the likes of Cork back in the Premier League. And three yeah. full-time teams as well. Like, you, yeah. like That kind of gets forgotten about. And, and Johnny's right about the facilities. Training facilities in Galway and Waterford um, and Cork are excellent. Um, so, you know, I think everyone would be hoping to get one or two of them back up up into the into the top the top flight. Like the, the supporters in Cork have been phenomenal. The same sort of levels that they would have had when they were winning titles. couple houses down there. Gary, you, you, you talk, we talk about the loud derby and stuff like in fairness, like you know, the draw there should be bulldozed, they should be knocked down the place. It's 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 gone. It's I, I the dress rooms are still the same. And I played at Shamrock Rovers B team on, on when I was 18. The dress rooms are the exact same, they're just being painted. And it's just something that bugs me, you know. They they need, you know, and I, I 
the FAI think still own the ground there. I think that it's belonged to them, you know. So we're talking about the likes of Waterford, the facility, the stadium there, Galway, Cork. I mean, so and it's just dropped it came into my head there, and it's you know stuff like that needs to be improved around 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 the, the league. Yeah, you're right, and the facilities in the league in general, like, and you when you said you hadn't when you went there. Uh, for Shamrock Rovers B team when I started the league I remember sitting beside Stephen Gagan and said this place is the same when I was here and yeah. like 20, 20 years on when I'm long gone and it's still the same I think that the facilities in, in our in our league do let us down I think the product is really good on the pitch and when you look at the product in the cup final when you've got the two best teams in the best stadium in the country I think you know you look at our league and our games you can be really proud of the product when you see it in, in a proper stadium but the stadiums around the country you know, for whatever reason, be the FEI or government, you know, yeah. their funding isn't there that you would even get up the north. The stadiums in the north are better, are better funded. It's, it's, I'm, 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 I'm not having a go. I'm just stating a fact, and that's that's the reality of it. I'm not slating draw it. I'm just saying, you know, the, the place just needs to be knocked down. You know, the pitch itself is a fine pitch, but just the surroundings. The RT showed a game there, the, the, the derby a couple of weeks ago, and it's, it was just... You know the, the 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 coverage, the mattress good, but just the, the you know the surroundings, of what people are seeing, and if people are looking in at that, they're saying, "Is this the national league? Is this the Premier League?" You know, it's it's wrong. You know, it, it really is wrong, and uh, it's just something that uh, that just bugs me, and I just have to say. Yeah, no. Well, Carl Shepherd actually, I think the derby you're referencing there, which I think was uh, last month, um, he made the same point about the the stadium, the Drada Stadium, but uh, in regards to what can be done, because. Uh, obviously finances are going to be it's the big word that'll, that'll come out like what can be done to try and at least help clubs to make the changes that need to be done whether it's renovation or as you're saying uh, knocking down the ground I mean if it, I think you could build there was talk about building a stadium in between Dundalk and Drada could he share the grounds I mean Dundalk in fairness Gary is, is the, you know I know the facility on the far side of the pitch but the old stand there as well if they could, you know, share the ground and build a proper stadium, eight or ten thousand, and you, you, and I know we look at talent and see what they've done there, and they've added in the new stands, and they'll eventually finish the whole lot off. I look at Sligo the other night, and in behind the town end, that that end, if they can get a stand in there as well, it just completes the stadium, and the visuals of that when you're looking at the game are coming to the to, to the ground for a you know for a night out, or you know it's. It's entertainment. It's where people want to go and they, they can go and enjoy, enjoy games in, in good facilities. But to answer your question, maybe the Drod and Dundalk can come together and, and get the finances and have a stadium and uh, supported by the government or whatever else financially and get a proper stadium in. Okay, we'll see how that uh, pans out over over time anyway. But uh, before we go, there's the Women's National League as well. Um, on Saturday at Lone Town, uh, beat Sligo Rovers 5-0. Galway drew 2-2 with Wexford. So Wexford, who are expected to be in the three-horse race, uh, um, dropping points there. And then DLR Waves, who've made a good start, up in fourth, beating Cork City 6-0. Shelburne, the champions, beating Treaty United 5-0. And then P-Mount and Bohemians drawn 1-1. So that was a very significant Amber. result. A landmark result for both there getting that draw and yeah. significant implications as well, really. The, yeah, so I was going to ask you, Connor, because this weekend is a huge one in the title race. It's uh, Shelburne, who are two points clear now, hosting P Mount, and they were the top two last season, and it went to the, the final day in yeah. the most dramatic circumstances. And again, it's building up very nicely. P Mount have actually made a really good start to the season, other than this draw, and then the administrative issue the, 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 the result was overturned yeah, yeah um, a 6-0 result yeah but it's, it's yeah there it's should be a lot of, 
There should be a lot of needle in the air at this game, given the fashion in which P-Mount unbelievably threw away the league last year. So, yeah, and Shells will obviously want to retain their title. But they're two, uh, two excellent teams, and we see, obviously, Chloe Mustaki playing for, uh, playing for uh, Ireland there recently against and that superb result against Sweden. So, you know, the league is bubbling nicely, and it's obviously, as expected, it was a two-horse race. Now, Wexford are just hanging off the edge of it. I know they have... They have designs on cracking into that and they haven't won the league for a few years, but it's shaping up that Shells and Piemont are going to be hard to dislodge and it'll, it'll be a very interesting game on the, in Talca on Saturday. Yeah, um, before we go, I was going to touch on League One or English League One with uh, Rotherham United and Wigan both getting promoted and obviously both teams have uh, a number of Irish players and I think the one we were going to talk about was Georgie Kelly, obviously formerly of Bohemians, very prolific for Bowes, and then signed for uh, Rotherham for the second half of this season and only made his debut there against Gillingham at the weekend, the 2-0 win, which sealed promotion and uh, got the second goal. Shadozi Ogbene, obviously, who we know from the, the Ireland team, setting it up. But uh, Gary, I suppose from Georgie Kelly's point of view, very timely, and especially now that he's going up to the championship as well and hopefully will be staying uh, staying with them for that uh, for that campaign. Absolutely, look, if Carlsberg did debuts, that's that's what it's all about. He's only on, he's only on the pitch, and, and you know, to put a, put him his name in the history books at Rotherham, and um, like an instant fan favourite. Like Georgie's been unlucky; he he was due to play in the EFL Trophy in the semi final about six weeks ago. He was due to start in that game, and he got injured on the Monday, and that game was on the I think it was on the Tuesday, or the Wednesday. So he was due to kind of, and that would have kind of bedded him into the group and got himself more involved. But he's been on the bench in recent weeks um, over the last three or four games. But like I said, made his debut the weekend and, and what an impact he made. And, you know, such a, a cool, calm finish and um, slotted at home nicely. But, the, you know, the celebrations and, and I suppose what it meant to the club, you know, it's massive to go from League One to be promoted into the Championship. Like the Championship, I think, is probably rated the fourth, uh, fourth best league in, in Europe. So, like, it, it's, it's a really, really fantastic achievement for that group of players and like you said you've got you've got Irish players there in the group in in Wigan and in, in Rotherham both both clubs going up to the championship so it'll be uh, it'll be great for Georgie given that confidence obviously to get a debut under his belt in League One but now he's going to be a championship player and he's there for three years so you know the, the management the management team have really um you know invested in him they haven't rushed him um you know they've taken the time they've got him up to speed and and uh, I think he's still doing exams as well. Um, so I think he'll be glad to get the exams over his, out of the way and really focus in on his football. He'll be a championship player next year. Yeah, and then from the Wigan point of view, obviously, Will Keane, we haven't seen the best of him with Ireland yet, but he's only at the very start of his uh, international career, but scoring goals for fun in League One. And then James McLean had a really, really good season, mm-hmm. was able to come back and just in time for the last game. But Jamie McGrath was the one I was sort of kind of interested in because... You know he's broken into the Ireland team, Johnny, and you know we we've seen we've seen great things from him previously at Saint Mirren and then Dundalk before that, and it just maybe with Wigan so far. Hopefully in the championship next season he's able to kick on, but so far anyway we're just still waiting to see um, see him make an impact there. I I I seen Jamie even as a young player at Saint Pat's. You know he, he technically a really 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 good player. He's he's done fantastic for himself. He's a bit of drive about him. You know he obviously went to Dundalk. Got his move to St. Mirren and they were raving about him up there. He's committed to the international team. 
So it's kind of open up for me, for Jamie. He's, you know, every time he's asked to move up the ladder, he's, he's able to step, take the next rung of the ladder, wherever department it is. Stephen's given him a brilliant chance coming into the senior international team. You know, he's taken it with both hands and uh, he, he didn't disappoint or he didn't let us down. So, again, this is the next step for them moving into the next league. And I, I think he's quite capable of, of anything that's asked from him. Yeah, and isn't it more a case, like it's always difficult moving in January and usually once you get a good summer and then into that championship next season, it'll be crucial for him. Yeah, but I think yeah. that's... Sorry, go ahead. No, go on ahead, I, I just think that's a mindset of a player, you know, that it's about him, it's, it's about how confident he is or where he is at, at, this, at this time of, of his career. And to, to have that confidence to move him mid-season and just slot in and, and just the new surroundings, no betting in period. He just, he has a bit of, I'm sure, self-belief in what he can do and what he's doing at the moment. Yeah, and Gary, sorry, you were about to make a point there. Yeah, I think, I think you know, you're right in what you say there. <clears throat> it just takes a little bit of time to go from one league to another. And the fact then, a bit like Rotherham, Wigan were, uh, you know, on top of the table and winning games. And there's obviously a core group of players who have been doing the business for the manager because I think it is maybe more, probably looked at more of a view that that sign was made with, with, you know, championship football in mind. And I think Jamie will be hoping that as well, that, you know, he, he gets a good pre-season under his belt and kicks on because like what Johnny said, uh, I think he's absolutely more than capable of stepping up the championship football. We've seen him step into international football and he took that in a stride and like, I would have played him. He's got fantastic quality and, and like, I, I would even argue that he could play at a higher level again, but look, he, he has to, he needs to get into that Wigan team first and bed down a starting position, which he's more than capable of doing. Yeah, but anyway, between himself, Ogbeni, Georgie Kelly, a few more players playing in the championship next season, so that's going to be um, exciting. So uh, before we go, the fixtures that are coming up this weekend domestically. So Shelburne are playing Sligo Rovers on Friday, 7.45 kickoff. UCD up against Dundalk. Derry City against Bohemians. Drada United against Pats. And then Shamrock Rovers against Finn Harps is the 8 o'clock kickoff at Tallis Stadium. And then also there are games on Monday with Derry City up against Pats at 7.45 and Shamrock Rovers against Sligo Rovers again at uh, uh, which is at Tallis Stadium but at 8pm 8, 8 kickoff and then the first division you've Cove Ramblers against Galway Bray Wanderers against Waterford Athlone Town against Cork City and then on Saturday Longford Town against Wexford FC and in the Women's National League as we've said already a huge game between Shelburne and Mount at 2 o'clock on Saturday Sligo Rovers against Galway at the same time and then Cork City and Athlone at 5 o'clock and Treaty United and Bohemians at the same time and then the 6 o'clock game is Wexford against DLR Waves which I think brings us uh, to an end so uh, we've got champions league to look forward to as we said at the very very top so Liverpool uh, against or Liverpool going to Villarreal um, for the second leg tonight on RT2 and the RT player but Gary Johnny and Connor thanks a million for coming on and uh, enjoy the football over the next week pleasure, pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.